Hi, and welcome to episode 235 of the Untethered Podcast. Today, we have Dr. Jamie Liu joining us. Dr. Jamie Liu is a general dentist practicing for the last 20 years in London, Ontario, and Canada. Dr. Liu graduated from the University of Windsor with a degree in biology. She obtained her Doctor of Dental Surgery degree at the University of Toronto. Dr. Liu furthered her dental education by completing a one-year postgraduate residency program at Stony Brook University in New York. In 2017, Dr. Liu traveled to Tufts University in Boston to learn about releasing restricted lip and tongue ties for infants who are struggling to feed well. Since that eye-opening course, she started seeking more education about aesthetic and airway dentistry, tethered oral tissues, oral myofunctional therapy, and infant feeding. She's a member of ICAP, whose vision is to promote best practices for the assessment, diagnosis, and integrative treatment of restricted oral tissues. She's certified to perform laser surgery by the American Board of Laser Surgery. She's an ambassador at the Breathe Institute in Los Angeles and has attended airway-related courses from Spear Education, KM Academy, Gold Learning, and, and more. Dr. Liu is a partner at the practice Sony Dentistry located in London, Ontario. She loves reading, staying active, and spending time with her husband, Aaron, and their two daughters, Karina and Rosanna. Quick disclaimer, all information, content, and material of this podcast are the opinions of the speakers and is for the informational purpose only and not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified healthcare provider. Welcome to the Untether Podcast. I am your host, Hallie Balkin. I'm a certified myofunctional therapist, feeding specialist, podcaster, business owner, and mentor. This podcast is all about getting your questions answered and collaborating with colleagues to bring you the most up-to-date information in the orofacial myofunctional therapy, airway, tethered oral tissue, and pediatric feeding therapy space. If you're new here, I challenge you to keep an open mind and join my mission to spread this message far and wide. If you've been around since June 2019, thanks for being a loyal listener. As we jump into today's episode, remember to listen with correct oral rest posture. Tongue up, lips closed, teeth apart, breathe through your nose. Let's get started. Jamie, thank you for joining me today. I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Hallie, because I've been listening to you for a few years and I'm super thrilled to be here and Speaking to you after listening to you um, while I was driving for so many years. Well, thank you. Cool. Thank you for being a loyal listener. I love that. I love how, you know, a podcast can bring so many of us together. It's really very cool. So I know you're a general dentist. I also know you're a release provider. I also know you are more of an airway and holistically minded, you know, provider as well. So I would love for you to share with our listeners, you know, how you went from general dentistry into this, this, you know, specialty space that you exist in now. Okay, sure. So um, I've been practicing for about 20 years now. And I'd say about a decade and a half into my practice, you start to see what works and what's not working, what's breaking down. Um, and I think at that point, I was starting to see always a lot of people grinding to their teeth. Um, and we're just trying to learn more about it rather than just prescribing the traditional night guard. So I started taking more courses about that. And then the word airway breathing started to come up. So it was just kind of at the the side of when I was taking some of these courses. Um, and then at the around two, 2017, um, one of my hygienists had a ba new baby and uh, she was having lots of trouble breastfeeding. And it was recommended that she can look into uh, tethered oral tissues or a tongue tie. And at that time, I think there was very few providers in my area who were actually knowledgeable 
uh, in in pro- providing the service. So she had to wait about two months to even be seen for a consultation. And as a mom who's breastfed two children, you know, two months is a very long time. It can be just even a few days is enough for uh, someone to give up. So she had asked me to consider taking some courses uh, to maybe, you know, be another person who can provide this for families in our community. So at that time, uh, she's super resourceful. I was, I just did a preliminary search. I couldn't find anything. Told her that, and then she went and found a course for me at in Boston at Tufts University and said, "Here, go. Can you go here?" And I'm a person that's kind of like an obliger. I like to meet other people's expectations. So I was like, "Okay, yeah, I'll do this for you," because you know we've been working together for a long time. And then that's when I met a pediatric dentist, a laser dentist, a lactation consultant. And I learned so much uh, in those few days. Um, and in addition, like with my own family, that, that's just where it kind of started when the, then we're talking about airway, reading more papers on it. And that's where it, where it all started in 2017. Yeah, I, I feel like so many specialists in this space and practitioners, whether it's lactation, uh, you know, dental, you know, it's the speech therapist, feeding therapists, OTs, PTs. We've so many of us have fallen into this space because one, like you said, either we've been practicing for a long time and we start to see these patterns and we're like, I want to learn more. I want to figure out how to better help my patients. And or like we have children who throw us deep down that rabbit hole of all the coursework we never knew we were going to take in this arena. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So now you mentioned that your own, your daughter, I believe, had um, airway struggles. Was it airway related? What was was it? Tethered all tissue? Yeah, exactly. So as soon as I started learning more and then I started to notice some of those signs in my younger daughter. And um, sometimes I was just wondering if I'm am I learning too much and just like overthinking things. But there were things about like our breastfeeding journey. For instance, for my first child, we breastfed. It was amazing. I loved it. Abundant milk supply. It felt great. With my second one, it was a completely, even though I was a more experienced mom, it was a completely different experience. It was more challenging. I didn't enjoy it as much. My milk supply actually dried up by the time I was nine months uh, postpartum. And I just thought that was normal. I didn't know anything. But there were all these other signs, like she cried a lot, turned only one way. Uh, That's when my midwife at the time had recommended, oh, maybe you should go see an osteopath. Um, Because I did bring her to her pediatrician just to make sure everything was okay because she was crying all the time. And uh, the osteo- after two visits with an osteopath, my baby was moving side to side again, and I could actually put her down for more than 20 minutes. So I just realized as a person who is medically trained uh, at a wonderful university that there was a lot that I didn't know about health, and uh, there was a lot of medical a- or other avenues of treatment that I didn't understand. So then when I started noticing she was having, she was breathing very loudly, audibly, like across the room, we could hear her. When she was sleeping, even with the door closed, I could hear her snoring really loudly. And it started all like, I started, everything just started clicking like there was an issue with her. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I think it's interesting too, because, you know, as I took my, some of my initial courses in this space and I was sitting there like diagnosing myself and then thinking about my first child, I was like, I got to get home and look under her tongue. I got to look under her lip because we had that breastfeeding journey. The first one, my older daughter, that was just, it was challenging and it was painful. And just like you, like there were things that I did not know weren't normal because everyone said, oh, it's, you're a new mom. It hurts. And I'm like, but for how long? And now since I've learned it shouldn't hurt, it might be a little sore in the beginning as you get used to it, but like that should go away pretty quickly. Um, and here we are 13 months of like painful breastfeeding because I just was like determined. She also like screamed at the top of her lungs in response to the one formula trial that we did. So I was like, we're done. We're not doing that. I'm going to pump and feed her and I'm going to, but wouldn't take a bottle well. And yeah, I mean, same thing with like the tight neck and slept in a tripod position with her little, you know, bottom in the air with her hands under her head propped and all these little pieces that I didn't know at the time, but have since learned. I'm like, she was screaming like airway, body tension, all the things. And yeah, I mean, it's just it's a shame that we have to go deep dive into this after all the education that we've already had. It's not part of what we learn as just a basic part of a curriculum really anywhere these days. And I know they say they're changing some of that in some professions, but I'm like, you cannot change it fast enough. <laughs> is it is it is. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead. Leaving in it too, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing too. There was an osteopath, um, Dr. Daniel Lopez, who had once said, uh, you know, because people say, oh, I know I don't believe in tongue ties. And he's like, you don't have to believe in them. They're not a religion. It's like, it's tissue. It's physically there. Believe it or not, it exists. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's so frustrating at the same time with this divide that still yeah. exists today, because at the end of the day, it just feels like we're preventing patients, whether they're pediatric or adult, from getting the care they need. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think what the one great thing about practicing for so long, and I see a whole range of patients, all different ages, that I do see adults with tongue ties who have issues that, um, so they don't stretch out, they don't go away. And another one of those, yeah, another one of those common sayings like, oh, it'll stretch, oh, it'll, you know, and, and I always like to say, I'm like, well, if it appears to have stretched, it's like the the frenum wasn't actually stretching. Maybe that body work or the other work you did helped to release surrounding tension that appeared it to, you know, made it look like it wasn't as restricted. But I'm like, no, that I love hearing that you you say that because I'm like, maybe you don't believe me, but maybe you'll be believe, you know, <laughs> Dr. Lou. Jamie knows what she's talking about here. Um, but yeah, so so you went, you took this mini residency course. It was pediatric airway orthodontics. And um, are you using that now in your practice to like inform what you do with patients? Yeah. So I did bring my daughter to five different health professionals in my community to to help resolve, to like hopefully address it. You know, she had a lot of those symptom, uh, signs and symptoms that you see um, structurally with all her baby teeth. There was actually crowding and overlapping of her baby teeth, um, very deep bite. And like I said, very loud breathing, even just when you're in the room with her, you could hear her just audibly like plugged up all the time. Uh, so we did, we did a home sleep study, um, but they have a computer on your belly when during the home sleep study. 
And you said your daughter was sleeping in that tripod position. Well, same thing over here. She could only sleep on her tummy because she couldn't breathe when she was on her back. Uh, so that obviously didn't go very well with the computer on your belly. Plus, when you have a uh, so a child who's not sleeping well, they're often sweaty because they're uh, not rested, right? So then all the leads that were on her body were coming off through the night and I was trying to like stick them back on. Uh, so they, I was told she didn't have any sleep issues, but I didn't like, I don't even know how accurate that sleep study was because, you know, it just wasn't, it just yeah. wasn't ideal, like in the terms of the monitoring. Uh, but we knew that she had poor memory as well. She could, couldn't remember things. It was hard for her to learn. Um, so I just coincidentally, I was talking to a colleague who was also doing tongue tie releases and sort of like in the same going on the same journey as me and had recommended that I look into a course by Dr. Herman Ramirez and uh and I had already come across his name at different courses. I know that he's done a lot of research. And luckily, he's here in Ontario, uh, maybe a few hours drive away from me. Um, so like a local source, which was absolutely wonderful. Um, this is when COVID hit. So he was started offering an online course. And luckily, I it was the biggest it was a big investment. I took the course, but it was one of the best things I did for my family. And my biggest achievement, uh, one of my biggest achievements was taking that course. He's been an invaluable uh, mentor to me and, uh, you know, helped guide me on like step by step how to help my daughter. And it was so quick because she was only four or five years old. And uh, it was, yeah, like it was just so amazing. Like I, I'm so thankful that I, cross paths with him and he's been just wonderful in teaching me. I love that. So do you mind sharing a little bit about like what her her treatment plan looked like in terms you said it was kind of a quicker treatment, but I know you also share things like there isn't just like one tool that fixes everything, right? So it was an approach that I'm guessing you took with her. Like did she have an appliance? Was there other Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cause like that's the challenging thing. Like when you go into this deep dive, there's a lot of different products, right? And there's different courses and you have limited time and limited finances. And one of the wonderful things that Dr. Ramirez really incorporates is using different tools because he says not one appliance can, uh, can be applicable to all patients. So there's a, you know, he has a book and it's uh, that it's free on his website. And so if anybody's ever interested in reading more and maybe learning more about it, it's called uh, Early Treatment of Malocclusion. And it kind of guides you on how to start. So um, there's something called Planus Direct Tracks where we can put sort of filling material on their baby uh, molars and change how their bite is. So I told you that she had this deep bite and that's kind of like when you're in this room with really low ceilings, like you're like an attic. So there's no room for the tongue. There's no room for, you know, air and in general. So even just with different angulations, uh, and it takes some practice getting used to how to do it. Uh, I was able to just open her up. And even with that simple first procedure, 
I already noticed a shift in how she was sleeping. I just, it was just like being in a big wide room with tall ceilings. Yeah. Now this, so both of my daughters have had various, you know, uh, interventions and my, they actually both have planus tracks currently on their molars. <laughs> so I completely know what you're talking about. No. Yeah. Which I, so when you said that, I was like, yeah, I love this. Um, but you know, my youngest, when we lived up in Maryland, had an ALF appliance. And at the time she was four and we ended up not really doing body work because that was during the pandemic. She got it during that time. That said, it completely decreased all of her inflammation, her tonsils and adenoids shrunk down. We had the before and after CBCTs, but we noticed the tonsils decreased in like October of, what was that, 2019? I like, we're right in the middle of cold and flu season and it's cold weather up there. And, you know, now we live down south in, in Florida, but I was, I was just floored. I was like, oh my gosh, this has got to be the appliance. We've changed nothing about her diet. We haven't even started Mayo or anything because we were waiting until she had a little bit more tongue space. And I'm like, but she was getting some expansion. And I was like, huh, there's something to this. And now there's, there's research that's actually come out to support this since 2019, um, which is very cool. But I was, I was then uh, presenting with a colleague and he said, she's not done. She needs a little bit more forward growth and she could probably use a T, but more lateral growth. I was like, okay, fine. But moving to Boca, Raton, Florida, could not find. I found someone who did a great like airway focused evaluation, but you know, she was six and they he was like, Oh, she's fine. You know, we don't need to start anything right now. And I was like, No, I think we we should. I don't know why we would wait. She's a very compliant child. She's had an appliance before. Like I figured it would be harder to find somebody for my then four year old, my second child. Um, so anyways, we did find an amazing dentist about an hour south of us. And so we've been going to her. And so she ended up putting my oldest into um, a rapid palatal expander, a Hyrex, but she had the forward growth component on it. And with that also did the planus tracks. Um, and so we've gone back there. They are both out of their um, their appliances at this point. So my youngest, we ended up putting her into that same expander because she had croup nine times the year before. And she was like that airway kid at four years old who she was like, you know, typically we probably wouldn't be as aggressive this fast in a child her age because she's going to move fast anyways. Um, but she said, when we have airway kids like this, then that rapid expansion could be really helpful for their airway. And so I was like, done. You tell me like whatever you think we need to do. And we put planus tracks on her because she sounds very similar to your daughter. She's that deep bite kid who grinds her teeth when sleeping. And I'm just like, oh, goodness. Like, I know these are baby teeth. But now that I've learned from all my colleagues, like, this is not OK. So we we just uh, went back. Let's see. So they're they're both out of their appliances now. And they did go into like a um, a temporary like permanent appliance just for like a handful of months just to kind of hold the shape while everything kind of settled and those have now come out and they're wearing a myo brace at night and they've got their planus tracks in so that is our current plan but i mean and that's why i loved how you said like there's not one tool for everyone but also you know as a mom i think and like you said limited time limited resources whether it's time money whatever it takes a lot it takes a lot especially when you have to drive to a provider who's not nearby i am like i get that firsthand now i mean an hour is only an hour hour and a half either way but that's a whole day sometimes in traffic and the appointment and my kids are in school, you know, and I'm like, I get it. I get that it's a commitment. But at the end of the day, I'm so happy that we did it because they're so much better off for it. And, 
you know, I think it, like you said, your daughter, you are noticing these other symptoms, like it impacts their ability to pay attention, to yeah. take in information, to pull information out of their brain and share that information. And yeah. So have you noticed any, any other changes with your daughter? Yeah, we did. It was, like I said, immediate. We also used Mile Brace for her as a first appliance. Um, and within three weeks, some of those, that crowding, like she started getting spacing immediately. Like when they're little, it just things just happen so fast. And even her kindergarten teacher at that time had remarked like her reading levels jumped up, like, cause we go by alphabet here and she was at level C and we, we read a lot in our family and, and she also couldn't like explain things to us. It was just or couldn't remember like really basic stuff but in that short time like all of a sudden she just jumped I think to like level J and reading and then was able to recall things better like like she never had behavioral issues because I know some sleep deprived children will be acting out I never had that but it was those other things that were like worrisome like how come she can't remember that she just brushed her teeth like those kind of things you know uh, so yeah, it was just, it made a huge impact in, in our family. So I, I think now you start to recognize those structural signs because structurally, if there's some restriction, not enough space, often function is impacted as well. Right. And it's, you know, the more I learn, they're saying it's usually function that's determining the structure. So now you kind of start to see that in patients coming in and you just kind of bring it up a little bit and see where the family is at, see if you can meet them there and you just kind of, you know, give them a little bit of information, trying not to overwhelm people. That's that's the biggest thing I have to learn right now is how to not overwhelm people with information. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's it's so true. I always try to like impart that to like in my own team where I'm like, okay, let's not make three referrals today. Like, let's try and focus on one. And if they ask questions, you can say this other, I might make another referral to XYZ down the pike. But for right now, like focus here, I'm like, because as a mom, for me to receive that much information and more than like one action item at an appointment, I am going to walk out and I'm in the space and I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't. It's just like so much to do, you know? And so I think that keeping the patient out of overwhelm, especially like when you're delivering new information to them is so key. So I love that that's a focus for you. And, um, you know, it's some of these patients are like, well, why, you know, mine looks the same. Why isn't my, you know, why don't I struggle with that? And I'm like, you compensate better. Or like you, you know, and I try to tell parents to like the buckets of energy. Like I'm like you, everybody wakes up with 10 buckets of energy and someone who has a tongue tie, you know, a child with a tongue tie, who didn't sleep well now wakes up with nine buckets of energy. And then it takes them, you know, more energy to brush their teeth because of that, you know, that lip tie and they're having to work around it. Now we're down to eight buckets of energy. And then they take more energy to get ready and to eat breakfast. And by the time they get to school, they're down to five buckets of energy, but their friends still have nine, you know? And it's like, I think when we just kind of like take a lot of the, um, I would say legalese, but that's not it, the medical terminology out of it all, right? You know, and just give them a really... I think easy to understand analogy like you would you had used one earlier in our chat you know i think that that just kind of helps parents like take a deep breath and go like oh okay so how do we help them and it's like when they're like uh, you know bought in then it's like okay great well now that you're asking <laughs> let me yeah. share some information with you yeah. exactly yeah because i do have people bringing their children in just 
for me to look at their tongue tie. But then I'm like, oh, but there's a teeth bite and not enough space for for the teeth. And um, and then you're just like, oh, where do where do I start? Right? Yeah. But I'm now my daughter is in an ALF appliance as well. Um, and uh, and and that's working out well. So, um, and I'm hopeful hopeful that with the development we've had, like if we need braces, it'll be very minimal because now she has some. She's almost eight and had a lot of permanent teeth coming in. And so far, there's no overlapping, no crowding of the teeth. So, yeah, it's been pretty cool to see that. Yeah, it, it is. It's so cool to also see all the different like treatment plans that you can, you know, take to at the end of the day, achieve um, airway space and more space mm-hmm. between the teeth and, you know, space to get the tongue up to the top of the mouth. And um, there's a lot of people say, well, what's the best appliance? And I'm like, one, that's out of scope for me to tell you that. But two, you need to go see somebody who can do an evaluation and give you the options. And hopefully they offer more than one appliance. <laughs> Because that, you know, and that's where I got really spoiled up north in Maryland. I was working with this, um, this like, you know, practice where they had a whole variety of different appliances. They treated pediatrics and adults, very airway focused. And so, you know, even if a patient was like, I don't want that one, even though you're recommending that as a top appliance, what else might, even if it doesn't achieve all the same results, what gets close to that? Like they had options, which was nice because I think it also was very patient centered. Um, but anywho, um, yeah, we the Mayo brace though is interesting for me because we did try to start with that with both of my girls before we went into the expanders. And, you know, they both they put it in and they would read with it in their mouth for 20 minutes or, you know, they would do something while they were awake, but I couldn't get them to sleep with it. It would just pop out of their mouth. And with my youngest, who was the very airway, you know, deep bite, very airway impacted kiddo, she was like, let's just let's table the myobrace for now and let's just go right into that expander where the myobrace as she lets you until the expander comes in and you know it's really cool though to see now that there's nice space between all of her baby teeth you know she's five and a half so she hasn't lost any teeth yet and you know she smiles and every time she smiles I'm like look at all that space <laughs> like it's so exciting nobody else probably has this reaction to their child when they smile but I'm very excited about all those space between your teeth so it's it'll be cool to see what happens. And yeah, I mean, for my like my husband, I was like the big selling point. The goal is to not need braces. And I was like, I mean, if we do, fine, whatever. But my my um eight-year-old's very motivated to wear her myo brace because she does not want braces. So I'm like, okay, then keep wearing that myo brace so it can guide your continued growth while you're sleeping, please. <laughs> yeah. So they're doing oh, it. So um, yeah, no, I'm trying another. Yeah, we do tr- some traditional expanders, the ALF, Myobrace, the tracks. There is another myofunctional appliance that we like using um, called the Bioactivator. And that's from Italy. And uh, uh, much more, um, I think they have a lot of different sizes. You have to do more analysis to see which one is applicable for your child. So th- that's been... Um, when you sometimes when you see other things are not working uh, and, and more resilient to when people grind their teeth. Because yeah. sometimes I find that children can grind through some of those appliances. Um, so, so far, that's been working really well, too, in our practice. I'll have to check that out later. I've, I've never heard of that one. That one's new for me. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Well, and I know also, you know, uh, we were before we hit record and we were chatting, you were talking too about just earlier on in your practice, noticing that patients sometimes like grind through a nighttime appliance or a nighttime, I guess not an appliance, but um, the trays that they'll wear that are supposed to either be supportive of, you know, supporting their TMJ placement. I don't know. Um, we get that a lot. And even this week I saw a post, it must've been on Instagram or something, but I saw something where there were different discussions. Um, oh, I know what it was. Somebody sent me like a meme that was shared and it was some well-meaning, I don't know if she's a psychologist or what, but she had a whole like bunch of different memes in a post. Um, and one of them where it was just trying to talk about like, you know, relaxing and decreasing anxiety and stuff like that. And so this meme was something along the lines of like, unclench your jaw, drop your jaw as far down as you can go, really release your tongue from your palate, let it fall to the floor. And I, so someone sends this to me and she's like, I'm so curious to know your reaction to this. And so I click through and I just, I go immediately down and two of the first three comments were like, well, actually, and meanwhile, there's 10 different memes, right? Um, all about different things. And this is only one related to this. And two people are like, well, actually, you should keep your tongue resting on your palate. That is the natural resting position. Your lips should be closed. You should be like breathing through your nose. And that actually should help reduce anxiety. And I was like, people, I don't know, but I love seeing this. And then I started to see some like myofunctional therapists that I know. I'm like, clearly this has made it, it circulated around. Um, but it was just, it was interesting to see that. And from I was just like, oh no. No, no, please don't tell people to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've I've heard that uh I've been instructed to do that during the meditation process and the yoga classes. Yeah. 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 Well, and then there were other people in the comments who were saying, like, you know, oh, I've chewed through night guards and I've, you know, and then they just want me to spend another five to seven hundred dollars for my next one. And I know I'm just gonna chew through it again. And I'm like, people starting to get it? Is it starting to click? Like, are you a patient? I don't think you're a provider. I, I'm like, this is a great conversation that's happening because mm -hmm. it's, it's, I think things are evolving and people are starting to go, well, why are we doing this again if it didn't work the first time? And I'm like, yes, yes, please ask. And if you don't get the answer that you feel like sits right with you, like get another opinion, you know? Hmm. Yeah. And, and just be okay that it's okay to question your provider. Um, and to ask questions uh, instead of doubting them within yourself. Like it's, yeah, just give yourself permission and the confidence to do that. Yeah, I love that. Now, do you have like a good team where you're located in Ontario? Do you like have different providers in this space? Yeah, well, not in my space. It's been a challenge because when I was first in this, like I said, there was only one provider in the area who was doing releases. Um, so I, I did have to take a lot of extra courses just even to learn more about breastfeeding and then learn more about body work. Not that I'm practicing any of it, but just just so I understood because I saw the limitations. So, you know, when you first start doing something, I was like, yeah, I'm going to fix everybody's tongue And then I would see, hey, this didn't work, even though I know I did a good job. Um, and this will just makes you understand why didn't that work? Because I would see people for two or three follow-ups after. Um, and that's where that went. But then now it's finally, you know, we're getting some lactation consults at IBCLCs who are becoming taught savvy. I have some great SLPs who are also in, you know, 
have learned along with me and we sh we share cases, we talk about what's working, what's not working. And now there are more release providers in the area, um, more body workers where we're communicating. Um, I had one child who's, uh, his maxilla, we're trying to move it forward. And there was all this asymmetry, the left side eyes higher, you know, there's this cant in his maxilla. And even though I was using an appliance that was symmetrical, the right side was moving, but I couldn't get the left side to go like fix the crossbite on the left side. And then so, you know, with that more learning, they're like, oh, there's tension C1 and C2 that might be limiting the maxilla. So then you have to reach out to the osteopath to talk to them about that. And then and then within two adjustments, I okay, the crossbite's actually moving now. And so it's just it's happening, but it took a long time to get here. So I think there's been a lot of sweat and some tears when things are not working, especially at the beginning. Uh, a lot of time put into the program to get it to where it is. But um, yeah, finally, I wish we were all in the same building, but it's, it's just it, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's one of those things where I feel like it, it takes time to build your team and to develop those people who get it and who see things through a similar lens. And I think what's really cool, too, is when you have these shared cases and you can all kind of, quote unquote, come to the table together and like review a case, it's really neat to see the perspective from all the different professionals that, ha that have eyes on the case. Um, because I think, like you said, like you're taking all these different courses and you're not planning to do lactation necessarily or some of these other things yourself, but you're like, you need the knowledge. You need to understand when things are not functional and they're not functioning the way they should. So you know when to refer or you know how to best help the patient. And I think that really also speaks to like creating the timeline for the treatment plan for that patient. And, you know, you, you said like in the beginning, you're like, okay, I know this was a good release. Why, why is this not working? Like, why are they not improving after? And, you know, again, I think the best practitioners question themselves in a sense that it's like, okay, here are my patients. Here's what I've learned over time. Like, I know none of us now are doing the same thing we were doing like 15 years ago. I know that all of our practice will continue to evolve based on the patients presented to us and, you know, more research that comes out and just experience of working with these patients and getting them results. And so I always can appreciate and respect like a provider who can say, you know what, I don't have a 100% success rate because I it was still part of my learning process. And it, it drives me up a wall when people go, we have a 100% release success rate. I'm like, how do you know? And probably not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a, the tough part. And I think experience too, coming with it, um, that that is can humble you. Because sometimes I'll have success for like a long period of time and then you're feeling like wonderful and then something happens and you're like, shoot, that knocked me off. And uh, and that makes you understand, hey, you don't know anything, everything you need to keep learning. Um, one of the main things, even when I work with uh, the infants and the, the family, just understanding even the stress levels of the parents play a factor in the success. I can do great release. I can recommend what I recommend, but um, I do find that the stress really can impact the success of things as well. So yeah, that emotional yeah. factor. And that I think comes with experience too. 
Yeah. No, I've had several really great conversations with um, individuals, whether it was, I think I had maybe PTs on that do the craniofascial sacral therapy and, you know, release and everything. And um, some others that do craniosacral therapy and, and other, you know, chiro and other types of body work. And I think that's come up a lot is the nervous system and, you know, the how the babies especially i mean all children really but babies especially and especially when breastfeeding and when there's that you know feeding connect that connection and the feeding you know dyad um they feed off of the parent's energy and it doesn't have to just be the feeding parent either it can be you know or any caregiver they spend a lot of time with that they totally feed off of that energy and you can see like when mom relaxes baby relaxes and it's so critical even like in feeding therapy to have that discussion and it's a tricky one because you never want to make a parent feel like badly about it they don't know that they're you know that and then they're going to be more anxious that their anxiety or whatever may be happening is potentially impacting their baby right so it's definitely one of those delicate conversations but i do find that the families that will jump into some form of body work and both mom and baby or at least mom you know if not baby yet starts we tend to see like a big like just like kind of calming and over everybody and the baby definitely benefits from that as well so mm-hmm. um, it's it's very you know, interesting. that's actually a good suggestion i i haven't ever re- um, recommended mom go for body work that much but actually that's that's actually a really good uh suggestion yeah well and one thing that kind of opened my eyes to it too because you know if you had asked me five years ago about osteopathy and all this body work i would have been like i don't know i mean I don't know. Like, I don't really have much to comment on it because I haven't seen it firsthand. But going through an adult appliance myself and having a maxilla that is locked up on one side and not being able to turn the appliance key on my removal appliance until I saw the physical therapist who was PRI trained, who was doing what he called manual counter strain technique, like he would work on me. And that same appointment, I could then go from not turning the appliance during the like before the appointment to turning the appliance like after or during the appointment. And it was incredible for me to see that firsthand and experience so I was like okay everybody needs this um if you're especially if you're going through expansion um and then on the flip side with my second I took her to cranial sacral therapist and to an osteopath as well and they worked on her like while she was sitting on me so she was like facing me breastfeeding and they were working on her and it's almost like I don't know I don't know how to explain it but like I can almost feel like through her the changes of what was happening in her body and she was like a very sweaty baby and was not walking yet and did never never crawled she drag you know she had a tendency to drag one leg behind the other and within a week of this appointment she was walking and like within or maybe she just started to walk right around the appointment time she got she started to crawl though like a week and a half after the appointment I'm, I'm forgetting the timeline exactly but it was a very short period of time she's crawling across the couch and like with knees and hands down and i'm like i'm like pointing this out to my husband and he's like but she already walks like what what does it matter i'm like oh it matters because everything's integrating i was like and this is not even a hard surface with support this is like a soft couch that she's doing this on i was like this is a big deal and i was like whatever you don't have to understand i'm very happy with my decision to take her to the hospital <laughs> And pay out of pocket for that work. It was just like, but you know, it's like these little things that clicked for us in my own family that really made me kind of go, okay, now I feel really good about making these recommendations for my families because I've seen how it really truly does make a huge difference. 
And then like you said, experience-wise too, then you sometimes see when you don't have that support surrounding feeding therapy or a release uh, versus a child who does. It, it's it's very different in most cases. They definitely make progress much faster. The families are, like you said, when, you know, speaking to your point, everyone's more relaxed when you go in prepared and you know what to do following a procedure and you don't just go right into a procedure without knowing what's going to happen and how you, you know, need to work with your child following. Um, so anywho, I know I could talk about this all day, but yeah, I think it's, it's such a critical component of this conversation and experience. Mm-hmm. So you're lucky you found really good providers to support you that way. It was tough, but the thankfully the PT was actually in my dentist's office. So that's how I came to know about him because they found him and he was in there two days a week. There was also another um, PT who was also PRI trained who was in there one day a week. And so they basically included it in the, the package, quote unquote, for an appliance in their practice because they wanted mm-hmm. everyone to have at least some adjustments. So they were like, if you want more frequent and it's outside of your appliance appointments, then by all means, like you can go to them directly and privately, which I did. Um, but you at least got it when you were going for adjustments with your appliance, which was incredible. Um, yeah. And then just the osteopath I found just through a lot of networking and a lot of time and, you know, colleagues who were like, they're phenomenal. And unfortunately, they're moving away from the Maryland, D.C. area. And now we're like, oh, no, <laughs> we have to start all over because I still have a practice up there, even though I'm in Florida. And we still I'm like, we still need to refer patients. So it's a constant changing process, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to like know how to integrate things and build things when you don't have a lot of mo- like a model to to go off of. But yeah, that's amazing that you found that practice. It was incredible. And it was absolutely incredible. Uh, But that's also, I think, why I've become a believer of, you know, seeking out these individuals who think differently and think like, you know, like we do in a sense, just in terms of alternative ways of helping people heal and feel better. Um, And then I tell like, like all the, you know, clinicians in my courses or therapists on my team, I'm like, you know, I know it costs money, but go try it out for yourself. Like go have a session and see what happens for you. Or even if you have a child, your child, um, because I don't know, for me, there is no better way to know the impact or whether someone's going to be great to refer to unless you have that firsthand experience, you know, and it's easier to do when it's a body worker or something than, you know, a dentist who may be giving you an appliance. You're not going to go get an appliance for five different people, but, (laughs) uh, but yeah, it's, one of those things where I'm like, if you have the opportunity, like it can't hurt to see like who you connect with and click with. And, you know, and it's nice to have when you can multiple people in that space, too, because not every patient clicks with every provider, even if they're highly skilled. So it's uh, been a very like humbling experience and a very, you know, rewarding journey at the same time. But yeah, it's it, the time and energy into building a practice is not something that anyone really, you know, can teach you it's kind of like you just kind of have to get out there and do it <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah so what's wonderful is that that some of our staff is you know learning a lot because I talk about it all the time and one of my longtime hygienists is now trained to be an IPCLC and she runs my baby program with along with side with me so it's, it's just it's been nice to see other people grow too that's awesome. And it's, yeah. that's amazing. I mean, they always say like, nobody loves your business like you do. But I always say like, on, in response to that, I'm always like, but when you get the people on your team who dive in with you, 
and almost treat it like their own because they love the patients and they want to give the best for the patients. You know, I'm like, then you've got a good team. Then you've got you've got the the right people who really, you know, are in it for the right reasons. And that's right. that's the best. So that, that's exciting. So you offer. So tell us more about like what you offer. You have like a, a breastfeeding clinic or classes or what does that look like? No. Well, so we basically are just when we have a, a, a child, a baby who's having trouble feeding, we just try to at least educate a little bit on the phone because we don't want to, we don't do same day releases. Uh, that's, I used to do that at the beginning, but I just, again, found that I didn't get success and it was very stressful because uh, par- often parents came in not knowing anything, even though we emailed them a lot of information along with videos of starting to what to do. They come in, they haven't watched the videos. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just very stressful. And then um, and then lots of tears, indecisiveness, what to do, what not to do, and timing, right? Timing of release is something I've I've heard on your podcast as well. It has to be the right time for the family, it has to be the right time for the baby or the child or adult that I'm treating. And um, often we're rushing into it. So now we we screen first and we just really try to push people to go see a lactation consultant first or something, you know, just kind of those preliminary questions. Does your baby show sign of tension? You know, please go see a body worker. Some people are still resistant until they meet me. And then I, you know, we do an assessment first. Um, and then we watch baby feed. Again, we're not uh, not, not a lactation consultant, but... We can kind of see, you know, some signs and of things. And if we feel like they need more, it's like, okay, the next step is going to see a lactation consultant. You know, if there's an issue continuing, then come back. Or even like if there's a lot of neck tension, you need to do this first. And then if there's still remaining issues, then you come back. So we really try not to do it the same day. And so some people want a quick fix, so they will go somewhere else. But I just found that my success rates did go up because I I waited. It's only if for emergency cases, and now it's even only from providers I know who are like are experienced with t- with tethered oral tissues and know that this is an emergency. That's when I would do it the same day. But um, I just find that I don't get success that way. Um, so that's that's how we do it. We we assess first and then give them edu- we educate, 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 and then. Sometimes people just want an appointment, so we'll time it accordingly to give them time to work on these things. And then sometimes they cancel because things have improved. Or they, even with the exercises and things we give them, a lot of times they even see improvement in feeds already, even before we even consider releases. So it's just, uh, that's just how we've worked our program now. Well, I, lo- I love it. I mean, it's definitely evolved and it sounds like you're doing right by your patients. And you know, I not that we don't want to try and help everybody, but you know, the when you get those calls where it's like, like, because we, we get calls too, where it's like, we were released today, we need to see, we were told to see you, and I'm like, um, well, we travel to our patients. We're not even a clinic based, like we're not like in one place. So I'm like, I can't get somebody to your house today. Like that's not happening. Um, so we, you know, and I know our release providers know that too. Like they, they know how we operate and that's really how most people operate in, you know, the DC metro area. But you still get those calls sometimes where they're like, we were released. Now we need to see you. And I'm thinking like, how did this happen? Like, how is this still happening? Because yeah. someone told the, told you you needed to see us, but you're calling us the day that your child was released after the release. So you didn't, you know, so 
So there are some providers um, in our area who have like a system where we basically have to either verbally or physically like sign off on the ch- you know child or adult is ready for release. Um, they've worked with us. We know they're prepared going in. They know what to do after. We know that they're going to educate them even further in the dentist's office. And they already have done that with the consult. And we've all, you know, we've all communicated together on the patient case. You know, there's been there's been a road to release, if you will, where it's like, like you said, it's not just that same day. And and at the end of the day, you know, I'm not a release provider, but I'm like, I prefer to work with children who have been prepped and then, you know, these families who know what they're going into and what's going to happen afterwards. Because again, I do think it, like you said, it, it improves results. We actually see mm-hmm. faster results. We see calmer families. You know, if some, you know, because we tell parents, sometimes feeding gets worse. Even when you are prepared, it gets a lot worse before it gets better. And if we know that going in, or we can have that conversation again, because they don't remember that, like after the release, and we say, this is okay. This is very common. This happens. That's why we're here. That's why we're all working together. We have to now, you know, teach baby to use this new, re- newly released tongue that they didn't have full access to before. And that's why things are not going so well. But like, let's, you know, a week and a half from now, let's remember this conversation because this is what we're working for is coming. Um, and that's why it's a work in progress. And I just, I think, again, as more families are educated and actually fully like understand that or are willing to hear, <laughs> even when they are educated, you know, the better it all better off the child is and really everybody yeah 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 sometimes it takes like three times right before it gets really absorbed you have to hear information multiple times yeah yeah and then even for children and adults if they're not prepared uh during the procedure there's definitely it takes longer um and there's more bleeding and there's more uh it just it's just harder to do but whereas someone who is prepared it's much much more smoother everything about it and amazingly enough like almost no bleeding when when you're doing a release when someone's toned their tongue and strengthened their tongue and so it's pretty cool that is cool that's really interesting I I would love to like see you know and not that I need the research necessarily because I know that a lot of us have the experience and we share it but I'm like I would just love to hear that from more providers like what do you notice when your families are more perfect you're you know prepared whether it's the lactation consultant, the feeding therapist, if it's SLPOT, PT, whatever, you know, it's the release provider themselves. Um, because I think having like more conversations around that, like I feel like a lot of us are saying that, but I'm not sure that we've dove into like the specifics of like, like you said, like you can see that the tongue is stronger. It's, it's got better, more tone. You know, we notice that it's easier and there's less bleeding. I think that would be very motivating to families to know like, oh, your child's not going to bleed as much. You know, they're likely going to have a much easier time post-op and during the procedure because they're prepared and, you know, things like that. Anyways, I think that would be, you know, I think that's more of a conversation that, you know, should be had. <laughs> yes, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. That was so, like a blob. <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so your practice has evolved. So basically, I know it's it's changing slowly. You've shared from general dentistry to including more of this, you know, tethered oral tissue uh, treatment, if you will, um, for infants and then some older children and adults. Um, you've mentioned that there's the early orthodontic intervention too, and the younger children. Um, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you're doing that you want to share? <laughs> No, I, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, um, it, it's it's uh it's exciting 
thing to be part of. A little bit scary to see the, you know, what you're trained in school is like you're just kind of changing it. Um, but it, it's 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 exciting, like I said, and um, and then to speak to other individuals like yourself who are along the same path, um, that's wonderful too, uh, because. As we also talked about in the beginning, you know, not not every there are other health professionals who aren't on board and really at this point probably don't understand. And and that can be really lonely and and challenging sometimes um, in a community, in a smaller community. I'm located right between Detroit, Michigan and, and Toronto, Ontario. So it's a little smaller city and and it's hard to change the mindset or of a community. <laughs> yeah, it's controversy when I'm typically have grown up not like just being quiet, like the quiet, right? And not speaking up in class and now having to to kind of project a voice and even being on here, it's really way out of my uh, comfort zone. So that's a little bit exciting and scary. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And there's somebody who says, do it scared. I don't know who the quote is from, but it's, I don't know if it's like Brittany Brown or who it is, but it sounds like it'd be. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's one of those things too, where it's like you see the larger need and it's almost like, you know, this mission is bigger than all of us combined. And so for me, I know that that's been such a big part of like pushing forward and becoming so vocal and being that big voice. Um, I've never liked public speaking, not a fan, but I'm like, and people like just assume that I love the spotlight and I love public speaking. I'm like, no, I'm sitting in my office on Zoom recording and then putting out a podcast or I'm recording a class or I'm going live on Zoom and teaching. I'm like, I would much prefer that than like getting in front of a room and, and talking. Like I'll do it, but I don't love it. It's not my forte. And people are like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like your extroverted introvert. Like I just <laughs> don't know how to tell, don't know how to explain it. But, you know, again, at the end of the day, I think it's that, that larger mission and the greater cause that kind of like pushes me forward too. So I'm glad that you agreed to join me today and that you are that voice for your community because I think those smaller communities, they so badly need it. So I'm glad they have you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. So where can they find you? So I'm located, uh, like I said, in London, Ontario, between Detroit and Toronto. Um, and we're at Sony Dentistry, uh, S-O-N-I. So you can go to sonydentistry.com. I'm also on Instagram, and that's how I connected with you, uh, Dr. Jamie Liu. And yeah, perfect. Well, we will make sure I have all of that in the notes underneath the podcast episode so they know how to find you. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. It's been wonderful. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you found value in this episode and want to hear more of these myotots, airway, and feeding-related episodes, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode on your social media platforms. You can access free resources and all I offer at hallybalkin.com or pop over to at hallybalkin on Instagram to get all the latest updates.